<laughs> Welcome, everybody. This is Drinks. This is your friend Ricky Mendoza. And let's see. Ah, I'm enjoying, I am enjoying this beautiful cold coffee. Ah, beautiful. If uh, you're in Texas and you ever go to an H-E-B, make sure to pick up a coffee called The Taste of San Antonio. Holy shit. Ah, that is a great tasting coffee. So, anyway, it is election season, political season here in the United States of America. Oh, Jesus. Oh, geez. And there's people get very passionate about election season. People uh, get very enthused with uh, what's going on in the world today. Well, uh, in the United States. And there's people more passionate than others. And people that you may burn a bridge in the long term if you talk to them about politics and you, you know, your, you know, your way of thinking, your way of leaning towards a certain party or affiliation or ideals. And I don't know, it's just tiring sometimes. <laughs> like I just say, keep thy, just like George Carlin said, keep thy religion to thyself. So I think that keep thy politics to thyself. It's just like religion. If you if you believe in this or that, you know, it's cool. I think that it's super cool. Um, because at the end of the day, your intentions are good, you know, for the good of someone, <laughs> even if it's for yourself. <clears throat> but it's, for, you know, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just weird. Um, you know, you... And... I don't, I don't, like, people are going to have their opinions about a lot of things. And people are going to be scared with your decision. Because people judge. Even if you do nothing. If you do... If you're way active. If you're not active. It, it's just weird. It's just a weird season. So... But it is incredibly entertaining, and I love to watch it from afar. I love to watch all the debates. I love to, to see um, the, uh, the mechanisms of persuasion and influence in action. And it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> so I guess uh, if you would ask me, where do I fall in the political spectrum? And I know I just said, keep thy politics to thyself, but um, I don't know. I guess you may be curious, I guess. Um, and I think I just fall on the Bernie side of things, the Bernie Sanders kind of, of things. I just, I don't know. It just seems more human, I guess. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I think he's cool. I think AOC is cool, and um, and that's where I land. But to be honest, I'm just a, a musician. I'm just someone that doodles in stuff. 
in sounds and in visual stuff. So <laughs> I, I have no idea about politics. And um, I don't know. It's just It just seems like you do this, people are going to hate you. If you do that, people are going to hate you. It's like a lose-lose situation. So uh, I don't know. This is not for me. Um, I do like the local, um, you know, stuff because I think that, that that's where you can really affect people, but that's way out of my league. So I am going to transition to something else. <laughs> All righty then. Hernia operation. Hernia operation. Operation Hernia. I, my good friends, I don't know, I don't remember the last time I spoke with you, but it was a long time ago, and that time ago, I had a hernia. If you do not know what a hernia is, let me enlighten you. A hernia, this <laughs> is a weird thing to explain, but okay. I had an umbilical hernia, all right? Might be asking, what the hell is that? All right. So there is a lining in your stomach. You know, you know, like you see your stomach, like, like actually lift up your shirt right now, all right? And stick out your belly button. Stick out your, your stomach, okay? And visualize or touch your stomach, right? Your bare skin. So you have bare skin. And under that bare skin, there is a lining, your stomach lining. You, you know, your stomach has a lining there uh, below the skin, right? And, um, and so that lining, that stomach lining, by the passage of time or by lifting, you know, super heavy stuff that you're not supposed to, or they're not ready for, <laughs> rather, <laughs> it stretches. So this stomach lining stretches to the point where it creates holes there, right? So you might be asking, what, what, what do you mean holes in your stomach lining? Well, this is what happens, all right? Mine stretched because I had a, uh, a they took out my appendix and it was a really... I had a really bad, have a really bad scar near my umbilical cord and they just left the lining damaged and they left a hole there. And when, you know, I guess I was like 21 or something like that, I, um, they left a hole there and through this hole, you know, imagine your stomach lining and imagine your skin. Now, if there's a hole in your stomach lining, you know, the thing in between your skin and your intestines is that lining. And if there is a hole in that lining, your intestines may pop out. So in my case, there is a hole right next to my umbilical, right? my, yeah, my umbilical cord, or where it used to be, <laughs> my umbilical cord, my navel, all right? And I, something protruded out of there, all right? Out of that hole. And, hang on, let me put this thing in airplane mode because it's bugging the fuck out of me. All right, so, 
the thing that sticked out of me was my intestine, all right? So I had, there was a hole in my stomach lining and my intestine was peeking out of my, of my navel, all right? And so I would have to poke back my intestine inside of me. <laughs> this is weird. And I thought it was just normal, you know, an after operation. But then somebody told me, no, that's a hernia and you need to get that fucking fixed because as time goes by, your stomach lining, that hole that's in there stretches and gets bigger and bigger and more of your intestine can pop out and it can get strangulated. Can you imagine that? Your intestine gets strangulated and you can die of it. And of course, I do not want to die of that. I don't want to die that death. I don't want to die, period, right now. So since I don't have any plans for death in the near future, I said to myself, I better take care of this right now because right now I am a very, very lucky individual because I have health insurance here in the United States. You're like, oh my God, that's like driving a Rolls Royce or something. So, um, so I do have health care, and I said, let's take care of this motherfucker right now. And so I did. So, and it's nuts. I really did not expect what happened next. I had not had a surgery in about 23 years, maybe 24 years. And so, um, before the surgery, the doctor told me, oh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. You know, in five days, you'll be back at it. You know, you'll be, you're going to be good to go, blah, blah, blah. So me as a dumbass, um, because, you know, I get it. The doctor's trying to make me feel good, right? He, he doesn't want to, you know, cast gloom and doom over me because then I'll panic and then I'll, I'll not do the surgery and he won't have money. And... <laughs> And so, like an idiot, I even planned to work like five days after and, you know, what, what not. So, I was not prepared for this. I was just not prepared for this. So, I walk in into the, uh, the hospital. And before that, uh, they did the corona test. And I had never had the experience of the coronavirus test. So that was an experience in and by itself. If you don't know what it is or have never taken it, they poke a swab inside of your nose and then it, they have to uh, scrape your brain for particles that help detect if you have or do not have the virus. So they poked it in and you feel like you're getting waterboarded, tortured, um, for about five seconds in each nostril. And um, <laughs> and then you feel like you're going to cry. And then you feel like you're going to sneeze, but you can't. Holy shit. It's a really weird feeling. And I was like, oh, what the fuck is going on? Like, damn. Like, damn. So, anyway. I come out negative, of course. And um, I go into the hospital I, you know, I'm being prepared on that operation 
thing on that table or whatever the thing that's called. Well, they put you in a bed first and then they put you in the surgery table and then they give you the anesthesia, which was full anesthesia. And I start to fade out like a bad movie. All right. So I just, I'm just fading out, fading out. And you see people and you're completely like, like it's crazy because I was perfectly fine of beautifully working machine of a human being before I walk into the surgery. And then I fade out into oblivion, into the unknown abyss of anesthesia. And they work on me. They create three incisions on the left side of my stomach. One incision, they, they pump CO2 air inside of it to blow it up like a balloon. My stomach, all right. So my stomach looks like, looks like a pregnant person. I don't know. I was out of it. I don't know. I was into the darkness, into the dark abyss of anesthesia. But that's what, I, what I'm told happened. <laughs> they blow up my stomach like a balloon. And then in the next two incisions, my doctor puts a robot inside of me. All right. And that's how he's going to operate. That's how he's going to do the thing. And so long story short, he does the thing. He fixes, you know, he basically he puts a patch where that hole was in my stomach lining. He puts a patch there. It's called a mesh. All right. And he sutures it in, you know, on the lining of the stomach. And it's supposed to last forever, right? And, <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's funny because I will disintegrate when I die. And then, like, 50 years later or whatever it takes to for me to finally dissolve, there's just going to be this little piece of mesh there. And it's going to say, Ricky, Ricky's mesh. <laughs> And that's going to be what I left in this world. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, back, back, back to the story. I fade back in from the dark abyss of anesthesia. I fade back in and I'm like, whoa, it doesn't hurt. Nothing hurts, but I feel weird. I feel weak, very, very weak. And I'm just like groggling, like, oh my God, what the fuck? And I felt scared because I just really couldn't move. I felt kind of paralyzed. And, um, but, you know, every, every part of, of, of the process, I guess, of your, you not feeling your body, um, you not being in a good state of mind, it kind of like all of it fades back in. And it's super weird. Um, then I see my son, uh, who took me to the hospital, uh, Ricky. Uh, he was awesome enough to take me and to take care of me while I was there. And, um, and so he drove me back. That, it was a, uh, and they call it an outpatient surgery. You just walk in and walk out that same day after surgery. So, badass. I'm back in the house. And uh, Laula was there, my beautiful wife, Laula, was there to greet me and to take care of me as well. And I did not expect the shit that was going to happen after the surgery, all right? Uh, 
I walk in a healthy, beautiful machine of a human being and I walk out like a fragile animal, like a weak thing that cannot do anything for its life. And I'm just existing there in pain <laughs> because as soon as all the medicines go out your system, in comes the pain. And they gave me this thing called tramadol, which I did not want to take because I do not want to be a, a an addict of the meth. Um, but, you know, the pain was so intense that, you know, you say, fuck it, I'll, I'll, I'll be an addict. I guess I can handle it. And, but it turns out that I wasn't an, an addict. So it's okay. They give it to a lot of people after surgery and I was okay. But anyway, and they also told me that I was going to be so dehydrated and the narcotics, you know, with the effect, the side effect of the narcotics and me being super dehydrated that I was going to have constipation. And they, they just told me I was going to have this little constipation problem. I did not expect the aftermath of that constipation. Holy fucking shit. That was bad. By the, you know, the first few days, I was just dealing with the pain. The pain in my stomach and the pain of uh, actual cuts, incisions on my stomach. And I was like, holy shit right just dealing with that shit and then i just could not poop for the life of me i could eat everything i was good with eating everything of course i ate shit <laughs> i ate stuff that would help me shit so you know like bananas a lot of fiber things with a lot of fiber a lot of liquids uh, drinking a lot of water everything that would help me poop and so i bought this really delicate and gentle laxative and then I said, this is not enough. I've not pooped for three days. And I'm panicking now because I've, I've been stuffing myself uh, inputting a lot of food and not outputting through my butthole. Nothing has gone out of my butthole by this time. And I am panicking because I have eaten a lot. So, and then I try to go poop because I feel the sensation and nothing is coming out. But you feel it. You feel the rumblings inside of your stomach. And when I, I can't put pressure on it because my fucking stomach hurts, my uh, abdomen hurts. And so I'm like, fuck, I'm like stuck like a, like a rock in a hard place. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck. All right. By the fourth day, it was also very, very, very painful. Um, me and Lala, we went to Walgreens and we bought, oh, what was it called? I don't remember. We bought several medicines for laxatives. Dulcolax or something? Yeah, Dulcolax, yes. D-U-L-C-O-L-A-X. So I took that shit. And holy shit. Yes, it worked. Finally worked. I won the battle. It was like late in the evening where I finally won the battle against my constipation. But fuck, that hurt a lot, especially my stomach. It's like when you poop, you have like automatic muscles in your abdomen. <laughs> and they worked, but it was just so fucking painful. 
And it was, oh my God, it was crazy. It was absolutely nuts. Um, but, you know, I survived. But that was, that was something that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And something that I totally underestimated. So if you ever, ever, ever going to surgery, please heed warning and be prepared with something like a, a very badass laxative. Um, because, oh my God, that was just crazy. That was a crazy experience. I felt like I gave birth to Satan. I just felt like I like something so big came out of me. I understood pregnancy. Like, fuck. And I'm sure, like, I, I know. It's not the same. I'll never feel that. But it was close. It was very, very close. So anyway, um, it was just super painful. It just it's just super weird and bizarre that before that I was a beautiful working machine of a human being. And by the following day, you're this I felt worthless, I felt useless. I felt like a piece of humanity that cannot move and cannot do anything because I'm in so much pain. And I feel it's just a weird ass feeling, especially I've been incredibly active and uh, doing a lot of shit and used to just going anywhere I want, doing anything I want. And then you're just there at the mercy of pain and just being in bed. And I couldn't even enjoy it because I was in so much pain. And, um, you know, I can't even play Nintendo, read books, uh, and, and, you know, just relaxed because of the pain. But anyway, um, it just faded out. It's just so weird. Like right now, I am 95% healed. Like I feel like 90%, 90%. Like there's this spectrum. Like you, I still feel a tinge of pain but it's mostly gone. And it's just weird how you start inching away from the pain into back to feeling your good old self. And that really, that this whole experience has humbled me. <laughs> Holy shit. It really humbles you. It brings you down back to the level of shit. And you're like, oh, you think you're so badass? And then boom, you're down on the ground in pain, retching, wishing that all this would end. But then you just have to psychologically like be like, this is temporary. This is temporary. This is temporary. This'll pass. This'll pass. This'll pass. <laughs> and then it does. Um, or maybe I'm just a big fucking crybaby. I don't know. <laughs> I could be. I I could see. I could totally see how people could get addicted to this. Because people are worried about you. People, you know. Uh, I don't know. It just it feels good for people to worry about you. And that's cool. That's super cool. Um, 
you feel like, uh, you know, that feeling of being worthless is replaced when somebody gives you a call or um, checks in on you. And you're like, oh, okay, so I am not totally worthless in this world. <laughs> well, anyway, but Jesus Christ, I survived. That's right. I survived. And uh, I'm 90% there. And I'm recording this podcast as a document that I went through that pain. And 10 years ago, I mean, 10 years from now, uh, I may want to revisit this podcast and say, wow, wow, that happened. And that affected my life. And that was a sharp corner in my life. And that experience made me the man that I am now. <laughs> that could be my Oscar speech or Grammy speech or the Razzie's speech. I don't know. I, I don't really believe in awards anymore. I just believe in uh, the process. Not that, that it cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> no, but it's cool. Like the, Like doing the process. Like, I love doing all this shit. I love, you know, making podcasts and making doodle, doodling around in music and shit. And um, I don't know. I don't feel like I need validation from a, a statue or something like that. And that's pretty cool. And people that think like that, I think, are pretty cool. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I don't know where I was going with that. Um Hang on, let me get back my coffee. Uh, and, uh, Jesus, I don't know what fell. All right, so, I am just going to close with um, listen to the music on Spotify. I am, after all, a uh, musician. <laughs> At least I try to be one. And I am in the process of making the new album, which is going to be called The New Hurt. More about that later. But uh, go listen to, to the Spotify. Go to the... If, you have, if, if you've already listened to my music, go back again. Revisit that first album. Um, and I want... And I'm going to send you... Uh, I want everybody to listen to the new album. It's going to be super cool. I've got a lot of cool shit planned and it, it, it i am taking a while in making it um i just for example i spent a whole day working on one song and recording it and then at the end i had to trash it because it was too slow and it didn't fit so um so those are the kind of decisions that uh, one has to make <laughs> in order to really get what you want the sound that you want and uh and it's super cool i'm just having a lot of fun recording and 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 just making this thing and i'm super excited to share all that with you and i'm super happy i'm actually super happy with my past albums i think they 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 are a gargantuan effort um it, it, they take a really long time to make, and they're a lot of fun to do. So, um, 
hey, if you have some time, just go to, to your Spotify or Apple Music thing and, and punch up Ricky Mendoza and punch it up on the Spotify thing and you'll get a kick out of it. <laughs> and all the music, if you don't have a, a, anything like that, all my music is on rickymendoza.org. And it's free. All the lyrics are there. Are the, all the chords are there. And, uh, and there you go. All right. So I will see you next time when I make drinks and have another drink with you. All right.